Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Well, folks, Antonio T. Smith Jr. is doing it again. He's done it again. Yes, he has giving away so much knowledge just to help you succeed, walk out of the middle class, become a multimillionaire. He is giving away his book just for you. The name of that book, The Richest Man in the Trash Can. You want to make sure you get this book. Here's why. If you are someone who is tired, frustrated, irritated, day-to-day schedule of waking up, going to work, going back home, going to sleep just to do it all over again, not being able to spend time with your family, you just got married, you just had kids, or you take care of your parents and you're not there to do it, this is the book for you. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, this book is free 99. Yes, you heard me, free 99. Okay? (laughs) All yours for free. Yes, free 99. All you have to do is just pay shipping and handling. That's it. $9.95 just to get your free book. This book is a life 
changer i'm trying to tell you guys everything in this book is what antonio taught myself in grace that enabled us to retire yes we are retired and we haven't even hit our 40s yet Woo! i'm just saying i got a few months to go don't worry about it Shh, don't nobody need to know that girl <laughs> you don't look it that's it go get it Go get it and walk yourself out of the middle class into the life you deserve. Walk yourself into abundance. Abundance is freedom and this book is your journey out. You can plant better. You can dominate. All right, most excellent pre-sales again. Pre-sales. Maurice, we'll let you start off first. All right. And the pre-foreclosures. And set us up. Okay. So thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you for your time. And thank you for um, um, the opportunity to um, be able to share and impart some of this stuff. Excellent class, always good takeaways. Um, any class, but so the pre-foreclosure we talked about last week, and I really wanna do more listening and ask questions um, and so that I can hopefully um, be able to answer some more of the questions based on last, you know, instead of, a lot of talking last week, I want to at, listen more if that's okay with you to, you know, um, have some content, but want to answer more of your questions so that they can be more valuable. That's actually perfect. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. that's actually uh, perfect. So let's, so let's do a review then. Let me, okay. let, me, now, let, let me start off with the review real quick. What's the foreclosure, right? It's a homeowner's not able to meet the obligation. We talked about you got a mortgage state or a deed of trust state and we sent you that list. What else? Let me look at some of these notes. The it could be problems with the property. You got to have a right heart because there's a lot of money in it. You know, you can't be screwing people over. Pre foreclosures are very different from other property, other real estate deals because the owner is still in the house. Mm-hmm. That kind of fix. That kind of that kind of sets a new tone for the whole problem. Never. I'll just stop. It's a, I always have exit strategies. It's plenty more I said, but the most important thing that I think I said was don't you get no negative cash flow situation ever for no reason at all. Ever. Okay, that's my review. And then go ahead, Maurice. No, yeah, that, that, that's um, and pre foreclosure. You talked about um, the process of it being a source of a source of inventory. Um, pre foreclosure. Um, you know, the short sale and also that the the pre foreclosure begins with the uh mispayments. So while we're in a market now where individ- inventory is very scarce, um inventory is being sold in different ways. It's being sold in bulk. Um, you know, a good source of for a person interested in buying pre foreclosure properties you ever see those signs you're right around not sure if you're in your state you'll see a sign that may be handwritten or be tacked to a telephone pole and it say we buy houses and it'll say you know mm-hmm. we'll buy houses for cheap or we'll buy your house in any condition that's guerrilla marketing right and what they're doing is they're targeting that pre-foreclosure market and those individuals that have equity that may be in trouble and that's another target for those assets somebody getting in trouble or they're in trouble with their property they pick up the phone and it's a numbers game. And maybe one out of 20, you know, one out of 30, they're gonna hit that jackpot with an older, older lady that don't know the, the value that she has in her property or the individual that may be going through the distress, divorce situation 
or um, whatever it is that causes it and to cause those three, those payments. And I guess the point, the main point is that those, those are a good source of finding those deals that you don't have to use your money. Because we, we talked a lot about that last week about, <clears throat> or we talked some about that, about not using your own money, you know, how to leverage other people's money and how to leverage um, uh, equity or what's in the deal and turn it to your advantage to make it part of the transaction. You know, um, there's something I learned this year in commercial about um, leveraging your position in a transaction. So we were putting together a deal and it was a large deal for um, commercial development. And um, see, he who has the land has the power, you know? And if you got that property and if you own property, don't get rid of it. I don't care what shape it's in. I don't care what area they tell you, don't, don't believe the hype about, um, you know, it was a few years ago, Detroit, it was talking about, you know, people was afraid to go to go and, you know, touch Detroit. You know, all the values are going back up. Now, low hanging fruit, five, 10 years ago, to buy property five or $10,000. So um, value is in the land. And I wanted to get back to that, that deal. So there's a lot of ways to leverage your position in the transaction. And we talked about, you know, the pre-foreclosure and staying on lever leveraging the, the, the equity in the transaction. We talked about being put on the deed, you know, or being put into the transaction. And so I want to give a real scenario. There's a property. Someone is losing their property. And you through your research or whatever, if you put it in a funnel and you, they're, they're losing the property and you make it, you found them and they're losing the property and you know that there's equity in the property. They don't have the means, the wherewithal, or know how to salvage that property. You can go into the property and, you know, hey, I'm willing to give you properties worth 200000 let's say 200000 They owe 100000 and you can go into the deal and say, okay, you can't qualify for a loan right now. I can. I'll give you, you know, the one, I'll give you 120 of it or 120,000. But you have to put me um, on, you have to put me on a transaction, put me in the transaction in order to, um, you have to put me on deed in order for me to refinance the deal. Person refinances it. That's one way to refinance and that's leveraging the equity in that transaction. So just saying that those pre-foreclosures are a good source of inventory. So if there's a way to find the list, get a hold of a list. We talked about property preservation last week because I mentioned that because the individuals that's doing property preservation, that there's a list um, that property preservation companies will get because they'll get the property, they get an assignment to go out to the property prior to three, when three payments is missed. And they got to go out to that property and um, do an inspection. Why did I mention that? So let's say if you, you, your neighborhood, a house goes up, it goes vacant. Somebody lose it in your next door neighbor. And you see, you ever see people come by there taking pictures or taking pictures of the property and, you know, I ain't never seen them pull up in the car and just taking pictures. That might be a good person to tap. And ask, you know, because I guarantee they got a whole list of properties, other properties that he's looking at, that he has, that he has, um, that he is doing, um, doing those inspections for. So if nothing more, 
that person got a list of properties that a person might be three payments behind on, you know, and looking to go into pre foreclosure in the near future. So I just wanted to, you know, I guess leave it, stop right there and just see if any of that, I don't want to go keep going into it too. Without, just see if any questions on that part of any of that. Yeah, no doubt. So any questions? Okay, okay, Lisa, any questions? Anybody's got <clears throat> questions on pre-foreclosure? No questions? Gotcha. All right. Now, the, well, hmm. we got no questions. I mean, I got plenty to say, but I'll save it for a non-Q&A thingamabobby. Yes, sir. I can tell you that when I first got in pre-foreclosure, people were more interested in getting $40,000 a sale. Like that was their goal. Mm -hmm. Their goal was to get $40,000, call them short sales. The goal is to get $40,000 out of it yeah. each time. That was the goal. That was the culture. And that's a good number too. <laughs> that's a real good number. It's a real good number. But it sets a culture too, though. You know, mm -hmm. when you look at someone as a $40,000 opportunity, then, you know, you know, there's some, there's some, you're going into the deal to get $40,000 out of it means that you're going to do whatever it takes to get $40,000 out of it. You're going to spend those numbers, do that work. Just imagine going into a car lot and the car salesperson is saying, I'm going to get $40,000 out of Alicia. So it doesn't matter what your credit score is. Even if you have a good credit score, I'm going to add add-ons to it so I get my $40,000. I'm not going to sell you what you need. I want to sell you what is in alignment mm -hmm. with my commission. Yep. Yep. And when you have that goal in mind, you don't tend to treat a short sale pre foreclosure in the manner in which you should because mm -hmm. of the, well, because you got a dollar amount of money, you're going to make mm -hmm. that dollar amount happen. So anyway, you want to come in on that. That's actually, that's the, actually the yeah. last thing I'll say yeah. today. And then we can go on a whole tangent. Go ahead. Got you. Yeah. No. So it, it, it speaks to being purpose driven, you know, and even to the point of, of your, um, you know, one of the things I learned, early on is that, you know, each investor is different. So like Antonio said, you know, um, a lot of times you'll come, most investors will have a, 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 like a summary. Okay, I need to see 40, I need to see $400 a month profit on my rentals, which is a good number for um, a rental property. If you can see a positive cash flow a month of $400, or my number is $40,000 uh, a turnover. So if I'm doing four a year or one a year, that deal has to generate $40,000. But that being the case, your goal could be that, but that can't be the primary focus of the transaction, you know, because every deal is different. As I learned that every investor is different. So there's, it's almost, you have to go into it with an open mind and know that every deal is going to be different. My goal may be 40,000, but it can't be driven on the dollar amount, you know, only solely, you know, on the dollar amount um, only. Um, not that this is a ministry in a sense, it is business, you know, and, um, you know, um, there's going to be different things that come up, 
hences why um, most of the time you always calculate and add for that. So you add a cushion for, you know, the unexpected because you're always thinking, you know, and that's one of the other things too is, um, and, and you, you learn, you know, when you buy an investment property, it's multi-units, you want those properties to be already separated, utilities already separated. Um, you don't want any, because that cuts way into your bottom line. And like, and we talked about uh, last week about properties not um, being negative cash flowing. It could look good on paper, and they say that show you that net, you know, okay, the ROI, you know, you got $20,000 a month coming in, and you're, you, you have um, um, $10,000 a month going out. And, but what they didn't count for was your utilities, or the utilities is not in there, or that number doesn't include your monthly mortgage payment. So that's one of the main things is so important to know that um, you definitely got to know your numbers and definitely know, you know, the real numbers of what exactly is, what it really is, you know. And a lot of times that's why, you know, I like working with investors because most investors come to his numbers is the bottom line. That's his lifeline. So if his number is $40,000 at the end of the transaction, that's his number. He's going to probably be shooting for like 60, you know, or shooting for to get it where it's 60 in it or 50 in it, you know, I ain't going below 45, but that's, again, each investor is different and that's going to be, you know, so how you set yourself up is, and I go to it respecting that each investor is different. I, I think it's a level of respect for the process and for that process that, okay, we have people in the property, you know, um, there's um, pre-foreclosure, you, you know, there's different uh, elements to it as opposed to going to a vacant property where there's nobody in it and, you know, you can offer the bank, you know, and you know what it is. So you got to account for individuals. So I guess the main is to go into the process that each one of those properties are unique. Each situation is unique and that there's no cookie cutter way of doing it. That's the thing I run into a lot. Then you'll get that phone call be like, Hey, um, you know what, you know, um, I got a, a deal and, you know, is there a certain way that this, this can happen. And it's really not like a cut and dry answer to it. It really depends on the transaction. It really depends on, you know, the house, you know, you know, you think I can make $20,000 off this property? I see it. I looked on Zillow and it shows worth 250 and it's on, and they, they, they got it. And they, they have, it's on auction.com for 180. But what they, they want, what, what's being missed is, and what, what's being missed is that that's what the starting bid is starting at. So the starting bid is so just to main just to kind of you know um touch on the importance of, of those numbers and set a strategy for yourself. What's your rule of thumb? What do I want to see? I want to see forty thousand dollars in my trans in my per transaction. If so, then I have to um you know look for sixty. I have to make sure that sixty is in the deal, you know. And if I if I get the full sixty, then I win. I make up for the time that the last deal that I only got 30, you know, so there's a win. there's, so there's, um, there's that, that part of, um, you know, of the transaction that, you know, pre foreclosures is getting a list. And, um, you know, when there's three payments missed, there's lists out there, ways to get those lists. Someone gets them lists all the time. A good person, you want allies of, I can't stress them, 
how important it is enough to have allies in the field. So that inspector that's coming by the house taking pictures of those properties, he's a good source because he's going to get a list from that asset management company and he's riding around daily. And the reason I know that is because I get those calls all the time to do those BPOs. A BPO is a broker price opinion. So part of what happens in the process is a person goes to pre-foreclosure. You miss three payments, two payments or three payments. The bank then begins to say, okay, all right, this potentially, this could, you technically are in foreclosure already. So they're going to send a company out there, hey, um, ABC Real Estate Company, you want this assignment to go do a broker price opinion for us? We'll pay you 40 bucks to give us, sometimes they'll be just ride-bys. Sometimes there'll be a full, you know, um, three comps and three souls. They want, now you, this bank is in California and you're on the East Coast and wherever they send you and say, go give me, take these pictures for me in this property. What they're really doing is checking that property to see if it's still occupied. Because now they're saying, all right, well, wow, we, we lent this money expecting a 10% return each month. Our business is income. You know, we, we make money off of our money. So if he don't pay that mortgage payment, it's not, it's not working. So the quicker we get that property turned back over, the quicker we can utilize that money again to relend it out and make more money off of our money. So after three payments, um, you get a person to go out and they, they take pictures of the property. And you get a picture of the property and they want pictures of the property to see if sometimes they'll tell you, you know, knock on the door, see if there's, you know, can you tell, can you determine if someone lives there or not? Is there a car in the driveway when you ride by? Is someone in the property, you know, and they, sometimes that's all the inspection entails. So, you know, an individual like that with a list like that is more valuable, you know, a valuable list to uh, seek out your uh, pre-foreclosure properties um, that may be um, good properties that you may want to find to invest in. Whether you're going to flip it, you're going to flip them, and pull all the money off the, the flips that you make and, you know, turn it into bigger, bigger deals. Um, but, you know, um, you can leverage. So there's ways to leverage your position, leverage what you know, leverage your, 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 your credit, leverage your money in a transaction like that. Because the more you get into it and always, and know going into that transaction that each and every one of them are going to be different. They're all going to have a different element um, to it. You know, um, um, and at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to the value that's in it, the equity in it. How much can you make off, off, of, off of it once it's sold? Is this one you're going to keep and hold? Because some properties you don't sell. Some of them you're going to hold until, you know, I like those ones around schools, you know, buildings and churches and hospitals and around areas like that. Because those areas are going to be maintained you know, and for the most part, you know, you're not going to, you know, um, find um, too much uh, going on. Now you want, and you always want the, the worst house, the best house on the worst block. And you want the best house on the worst block. You can't get caught up in nothing nobody say in the hype about, well, I wouldn't buy in that area, you know, because, you know, in five years, you'll be laughing to, on your way to the bank. You know, you want to see what the city's doing in your area. What what plans are, are being, what plans are, what what's being done in your area, in your neighborhood? Um, what does the city have planned? Because a lot of those times we, we mentioned, I think, before, is that those um, um, 
those um, gotcha questions. Gotcha. So um, <clears throat> um, those plans have been drawn out 10 years in advance, you know? So your, your spot might be slated for a teardown and rebuild. So the value that it is today definitely may not be tomorrow. So you want the best house, the worst house on the best block is your equity in your property will escalate much quicker. So if, if your property is on a block where there's 10 beat up homes on it, it's a process that you got to gradually grow that, that neighborhood. It's going to gradually grow in value. It's going to grow. Real estate always grows. It always grows. It ain't no, it ain't deep. It's not, you know, value in real estate always go up. The question is how fast and by how much, right? So it's like, um, so if, if I, you got the worst, the, that house on the block, that um, um, is in the worst shape, and I'm, 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 I have a listing like that right now, and, um, and it's in New Jersey, and it's a very, very nice, the block is pristine, right off the highway, right in New York, you know, perfect. Everything for, you know, perfect for a renter, perfect for an investor, perfect for a homeowner. And it just needs a little bit of work. All the other homes around it is nice and free, right? So what happens is the bank knows the value of, the property is going to be worth more quicker. So I guess the easiest way, the quickest way to say it is the value. Because um, once that property is brought back, you put a little bit of money into it. Now your value, your value equity is there quicker. So to an investor, you know, um, I might be willing to pay a little bit more for that property, you know, because all the properties around it, because once I, I turn it, once it's turned, you know, you can get the market value of what it's worth much faster. So that's one of the reasons why. And um, a lot of times you can get you can get the property um, um, a lot cheaper uh, sometimes. Um, but that was one of the rule of thumbs is always to look for because you know it's what a person will pay you for the property is really what the value is. So, you know, if a person is willing to pay, and I find this happen a lot, you know, moving and being a transplant to Pennsylvania, you know, and coming here from New Jersey and being like New Jersey, New York prices are they up here, right? And then you get to Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, and you find those properties are like half that. And you're like, wow, this building would be worth what in New Jersey? You know, three times that much. But then, you you know, you run into the, the, the fact that yeah, but the cost of living is not as things are doesn't, you know, you're not going to be able to get as much rent as you would get in New Jersey. So you, all those factors play a part um, in, in, your, in, your, in your due diligence with the pre-foreclosure and um, with your, um, you know, buying. I hope that answered the question about buying insurance, being, um, buying, the, buying the worst house on the, on the best block. When I say best block is meaning, you know, well-kept properties, homes that are where the values are, houses are nice, you know, and there's a house that pop up and it's just in decay and needs, needs work, you know, with an area where, um, <clears throat> where, so when I say best block, the worst house on the best block, that's what I mean by that part. Um, homes that may need a little bit of work, but it's in a great area or in an area that, that's a desirable area. And Part of your exit strategy should always be, you know. Oh, hold on, hold on. I, hold on real quick before you go to exit strategy. Hold on, hold on. Yes, Why do you want the best house in the worst block? 
Okay. Yeah. He, he answered it. Okay. Yeah, he meant to say he meant to say workout focus block. Yeah. Got you. Got you. The Let's go back. Let's go all the way back to you didn't say individually needed, but that's what you meant. The utilities and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back there because yeah. that was like one of the greatest things that you pointed out. Okay. You will be cutting into your money. Now, I would tell you, I, I just really don't like single home. <laughs> I, I don't. I just, it's, it's just, I mean, you do you want 500 people paying you or one person paying you, right? I just, my, my mindset has shifted over the years in a dramatic way. But so he said $400 a house. I was taught 200 but that was, you know, bringing 12 years ago. So inflation. So 400 is very good. That's, that, that's the new 200. 400 is the new 200. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the new 200. I was taught that in 2008, 200. Well, yeah. obviously now 400 would be the bare minimum too because it, it will increase your rent like you have to know because your taxes your insurance and your what is it mortgage is all going to be escrow together mm -hmm. so you want if you, they're going to pay you 13 excuse if you have to pay out 1300 then if you want 400 13 plus 4 that's 17 so you have to charge 1700 dollars for that. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I know Maurice is going to tell you, but I'm most certainly going to tell you as an investor, if you're charging $1,700 and the fair market rent value is $2,300, then you need to be charged $2,300. Yes. Absolutely. I don't care what your $400 said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever your $400 said, then you just got you a sweet deal. Mm hmm and you making $900 extra a month versus whatever it may be. You charge fair market rent, get your profit. But at the same time, what you don't do, and this is what you got to receive, if you want $400 a month and your expenses are $2,200 a month, then you don't go charge $2,600 a month in a neighborhood with $2,300 a month is standard. Right. You, you, yeah, yeah. You take that 200 and then what you do is you have that first month deposit, last month deposit up front, and now you can weed out people who's going to tap your property. Yeah. Because only Alicia can afford, you know, $2,300 mm -hmm. deposit. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, she got money all in her purse. It's just tucked in there. <laughs> do you want Alicia? You don't want you know, those folk that's going to tear your stuff up because now you really add it to your expenses. So I just want to jump back. And I think that was the most brilliant thing. Well, you said plenty of brilliant things, but that was, can you break down again? You said something about, well, I forget how you, I forget the acronym, BPOP. Oh, BPO? Uh, BPO. Break that down. Yeah. That, that was, that was, that's broker talk there. Yeah. Yeah. So BPO, and you'll find it in different, BPOs just means broker price opinion or CMA, Comparable Market Analysis. Depending on where you're at, they'll be called those things. And they're not to be mixed up with an, with an appraisal. So what that is is, and, and you want that person on your team too because the age, that's what the real estate agent gives the bank. 
the banks say, okay, look, they look like they missed three payments. You know, I'm panicking. I, you know, we were banking on that money. I, you know, that I bought this other car based on that that monthly payment. What, you know, obviously it's not bank. Don't don't do it that way. But you know, they're not paying. So go out there and give me a value on that property. They're gonna send you to do a broker price opinion. So as a broker, you have access to what's called the MLS, the Multiple Listing Service, or all the properties that have sold in that area in the last three months, six months. So usually where BPO works is this. It's gonna go, you're gonna go, and they're gonna say, I need three comp, three solds and three um, active properties, listings right now that's on the market. So my property is a three-bedroom Cape Cod, single, single family, uh, I'm gonna say multi-family, two-unit uh, duplex. And it has uh, three bedrooms on each side and two baths, and it's a colonial. Three-bedroom, colonial, with two garages, right? It's a duplex. The bank gonna say, go and um, please tell me the value of what that property's worth. And they'll send you up to it, they'll send it to a broker, and there's houses out there now that that's all they do is gather all those at all those inventory, all those properties, and send brokers out there to do. There's some brokers and agents making eight hundred dollars a week off doing BPOs. You know, there's BPO. They have it's so much so so plentiful. And this is why I know that there's more inventory out there than what we're really seeing because we get the calls and the orders for the for the BPOs, but we don't see it in the inventory. You know, that's being being introduced to the market. So it's not there's a there's a gap there, you know, with you know, that's a whole nother conversation for another time. Like, you know, but um, you know, uh so that the bank will say, give me a BPO on this duplex, which is four bedrooms, three bedrooms, two baths. Now you gotta go out there and find that exact property though, because I can't compare it to um uh, a duplex with one bedroom and one over three or three over one with one garage. Now you can do that. And the only reason you can do that is if you have to explain it. One thing about real estate and you learn what, what I've learned and is that everything is documented, document, document. If it's not in writing, it don't exist. And it comes to real estate. If it ain't in writing, it does Yeah, we got to come back to that. We got to come back yeah. to that. That is, yeah, that's not the most brilliant thing you said. Okay. So, um, um, so three, so you got to go in there and you're going to look for all the properties that are three bedrooms, two baths, two, two, two garages that are attached to that property. Right. So you, got, so in other words, you have to compare apples to apples and I can't stress this enough, enough, how often people will say, well, my property sold for, you know, 400,000, but okay. Your property is a tutor. That property was a Cape Cod or you have to, you have to compare apples to apples. And it has to be the exact type of property, the exact square footage, or very close. We usually the rule of thumb is within five to ten percent, fifteen percent within in in between. So, what I if I'm comparing a single family, right, with three bedrooms, I'll put in my search, and it's a science. And when you do it enough, you'll narrow it down to you can put in like four categories or five categories and get your exact property. So for me, what I do is I do the square footage. I do the age of the property. I do the bedroom size, vary in between three. So if it's a three, three bedroom, I'm gonna go between three and five, possibly two and five, two and four bedrooms. And I'm gonna go, um, if it's uh, uh, 1,000 square feet, I may go between 900 and 1,500 square feet. 
because that's that's your property. You're gonna find that exact same property. And this is a good rule of thumb for if you're investing, to do that yourself, to get in the habit of doing that because that's how you're gonna get the true value of what your property is gonna actually sell for. And it's based on that value, that BPO, and, and it's go back, it goes back to three months. You go back three months of sold, and then you have what's actively on the market. You can't go by what's actively on the market as much um, most agents won't put it on. They, they don't, they're not going to be really wanting to waste your time to put a property on the market for higher than what it's going to sell for. But yeah, I've seen it happen. And don't trust nobody's information. Always verify it yourself. Always be try to make sure you verify the information yourself. Um, verify it yourself um, um, if you're able to. Um, so the BPO is that um, is is that it's a broker price opinion. It gives you the value of the property, and actually, it's the exact same thing. And same, some appraisers, I get you'll get the calls from appraisers all the time, and they're like, "Hey, I want to use your comp for a property that I'm uh, appraising. I want to use your property for a, your 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 property for a property I'm appraising." In the MLS, you didn't say whether it was um, you gave cat you gave um gave any money back so because sometimes you can buy it buy a property if you're and you can have the seller to finance your closing costs and um and help help with your closing costs so you'll get calls from the from the appraiser saying um did you give any cash back to the seller because it affects the the, the sale price so if you sold the property for one hundred fifty thousand and you gave the buyer six thousand dollars towards their closing costs to help them get into the property that house technically didn't sell for 150. So um, yeah, it didn't sell for 150. So um, a lot of times the appraiser will ask you as a real estate professional, hey, or you can even, you've even challenged some of the appraisers appraisals, especially when this market hit and the market had really hit. Appraisers was gun shy for a long time, for about a year. Appraisers were afraid to um, appraise properties for the value that they were really worth, you know, because they were, you know, it was being, you know, a lot was going on in the market. The appraisers were being blamed because um, a lot of inflation of values was happening back in 2008 that caused the market to crash, you know. So, um, okay, we got to talk about that too. That's that. <laughs> we got we got to go deep in that one too. <laughs> so the inflation of value, and you said something earlier of, oh, the if it ain't written, it's a lie. Yeah. Yes, yes, I got that is a lesson I learned the hard way. Wow. Mm -mm. Yes, yes. Oh my God. Yes, so much to talk about there. But keep, keep going. You 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 on the road. Those two things. You could have saved you a lot of money. Yeah, if it ain't written. Yeah, if it ain't written, it ain't right. It it just don't exist. Um, because I've been gotten to the closing table at the end of a transaction. And I learned that the hard way too, man, like, you know, more than once, you know, in different ways. But oh, I didn't say that. I said 30% your way, 30% my way, 70% your, 70% uh, my way, 30% your way. I don't know what you, what you meant. You, you misunderstood what I said. Oh, got wax in your ears. I don't know what, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you, yeah. Why would I do that? Well, that's what the agreement we had. Where, 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 prove it. <laughs> So, um, um, and to the point of, yeah, so that $400 or $200 is a minimum of what you take. 
please always yeah. charge what your value, I mean, what the market will bear. Whatever property you get, always charge what the market will bear. You can get 2300 and if you just get it, you know, but don't go less than that number, your number, whatever it is, if it's two, 400, whatever your number as an investor, you get to pick that. And every investor is different. Let, 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 let me jump in right there. Because that whole, oh, that said 70, you said 30. My second, no, third property, third or fourth, I, I forget. I literally bought a property as is. That's what was written in the contract. That's what was written. Mm-hmm. What the lady told me <laughs> was everything was straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to get that. <laughs> That's what she told me. And she was so helpful. She taught me one of my most valuable lessons. I mean, she did it so well, so well. Uh, it was it was so brilliant. I mean, she was so gentle, so helpful. And when I got there, the gas didn't pass the city's inspection. The lights didn't pass the city inspection. And there was one more. It was gas, lights, and, and there was a whole tree. Oh, man. And I'm talking about a Texas tree, y'all. I don't mean one of y'all trees. This is a tree (laughs) that fell over in the backyard that was every bit of 10 feet wide and 40 feet long. Outstanding. 50 feet wide, all that stuff like that. And then here's what happened. I say, ma'am, thank you, thank you. I say, ma'am, don't you want to Shouldn't we? I mean, you told me, look, the property mm. said as is. Then, Alicia, me on that hood stuff. <laughs> hey, man, this, I, I'm telling you what it is. Me on that hood stuff. Hey, man, you know somebody do lights? Yeah, Craig do lights. That's his real name, too. I wish I was making mm-hmm. this up. I wish Craig. <laughs> that sound like Friday. I wish I was making this up. That is not. Craig do like Craig electrician. Craig come through, charge me three hundred dollars. No, no, no. Something like seven hundred dollars. Charge me seven hundred dollars. It's two thousand eight money too, so it's a little bit more now. Just type in my name and, and take a picture of me or something. Do do that stuff. Pay for the lights. Get the lights to inspection. I said, yeah, bro, man, because I didn't want to bring in, you know, some <laughs> some light electric. <laughs> God dog it. I didn't want to bring in somebody that was going to charge me all that money. You know what I'm saying? I just needed it to pass inspection. I got you, fam. This, I'm just, I'm trying to talk about our language. I got you, fam. I got you. You passed. You all, oh, you passed inspection. You straight. Let me tell you what this is. <laughs> Let me tell y'all. So I called the city out, which they charged me to come out to make sure the permits is there. Well, actually, no, I'm lying. They, I called them out and said, pass inspection. Then when they got out there and said, oh, no, this ain't even <laughs> close to pass inspection. Forget what he messed up the house with. Forget that. This man didn't even connect the power line wow. to the house, which I just thought that was common sense. Mm. You understand? It, I'm yeah, not getting it, power 
from the word of God. Do you understand? It's not lighting up my houses. Do you get what I'm saying? You go ahead, just take a picture. I'm going to take a picture, y'all. All right, there you go. She's doing, she's, anyway, doesn't matter. Now, <laughs> so anyway, so I failed the inspection. Now the city's saying, now you got to come down here and pay for a permit. All right, so I'm 700 in. I forget what they charging for the permit. It ain't it ain't much, but it's still I'm hot now, Alicia, because now Craig got me messed up. I ain't talked to Craig since. Oh, Craig was a friend of the family. I ain't talked to Craig since. I ain't got no problem with him. He just can't fix nothing to mine. Can't fix nothing. So I had to pay three thousand dollars for an electrician to get the whole house ready. So now I'm I'm out. I remember I just bought this house. And I bought it through home. I bought it through owner finance. So I spent all my little money, and now I spend more money. Actually, and I only spent two thousand down, Maurice, to get this house. Mm, two thousand nice. down, ten percent interest. House was, I don't know, it's like a forty thousand dollar house. Two thousand dollars, good deal. Mm-hmm. As is though, I spent five thousand getting the house ready which is more than what I spent on the house. This was my second, second, this is my third deal. Let me tell you why this messed me up. Cause the contract said as is mm-hmm. and Alicia, I wasn't ready. I was young. I was hungry. I had something to prove. I lost that house. Wow. Cause here's what happened. A renter walked out of that house that I was going to get. That I had got, it was my uncle. Never do, never, ever Ugh, do real estate with your family. Please, y'all, spare yourself thine stresses. Ooh. Ooh. Ah, please. Anyway, so he walked out. So I had to move into that house. That wasn't the plan. <laughs> then another renter walked out on the first one because it was a duplex. So now I can't afford to save that other house and I moved in this house so I can afford it. But now when they walked out the other one, I lost that one. Then someone walked out of a third one. I lost three houses in a quarter of 90 days. All because I didn't respect as is. Hmm. That is a horror story. Mm. If you ever want to lose three houses in 90 days, talk to Antonio T. Smith Jr. He can hook you up. I know exactly <laughs> how to do that, Alicia. I am brilliant at losing three houses in 90 days. Can't nobody do it the way I did it. I'm telling you. I overdid it, let me tell you. But anyway, I love what you said about that. If it ain't in the contract, then don't try to go back well, no, Alicia, you said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I said what was in that contract. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember that? Because I know Alicia wanted to get the real estate. Remember that. All right. So you <laughs> learn from that mistake. You don't got to make it. You can just listen to me or read a book. And then that's the whole point <laughs> of reading books. Don't, it's like, anyway, let me be quiet. Go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead. Actually, no, let me go ahead and say what I'm going to say. Let me go ahead and say mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I remember when we was kids, one of my little cousins go, ooh, he farted. And the whole 
you know how you have 16 folk over grandmother house in the den? I need some real folk that know what I'm talking about. You put the box fan under the sheets and you make your little air tent and you, you tie a little sheet on the doorknob and you got your whole little fortune going on. There's 16 of y'all <laughs> laying on top of each other in the den. Or the, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Something like that. Say all 15 of them fools went over there to go verify if he fought it. Oh, I knew wow. I was an entrepreneur then. Because <laughs> I was the only one that didn't go. Because if you said it, I don't need to go verify <laughs> that. <laughs> if you lie, you lie. But what I'm not fit to do is mess up my nostrils so I could be in with the crowd. I'm not fit to do that. Mm-mm. Now, the reason I just told you that story nice. is if I just told y'all how to lose three houses in 90 days, go, go, let me go find out. I'm going to verify that. Just take my word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just don't go verify. Mm-hmm. Don't go see if I'm telling mm-hmm. the truth. Just don't go do it. <laughs> go ahead, Maurice. Mm-hmm. That's right. Trust but verify, man. Trust but verify. Shoot. So, like, you know, uh, so not all real estate agents are created equal. Brokers, you know, I have to set and um, integrity is living the truth and honesty is telling the truth. Tell the truth, integrity is living it, right? So, um, shoot, you know, um, my, my le- electrician guy was $40. His favorite number was $40, Maurice. How much you gonna charge you for that, Henry? His real name was Henry, too. He was an electrician. His brother had an electrical company. Henry, how much you gonna charge me for Craig $40, Maurice? That's it, Maurice. Craig Henry. <laughs> Henry was. <laughs> He would, man, he would fix it. And, you know, um, if Henry would have did that job and left the power off, I know why he did it. Because he, because he didn't want me to find out that something wasn't right. And he, he needed that. He needed something wasn't right. Something was broken. So, so to the moral of that is to pay the right money the first time because you'll end up paying double. You know, a lot of times it's better to pay the right money, the cost the first time because you'll pay for it three or four times if you don't. I get it sometimes, especially when you're first starting out. You know, you don't have it. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes individuals may start with buying single family homes first, then venture out into multifamily homes because the cost to acquire a single family home is less than it is when you're acquiring multifamily or multi-units. You got larger down payment, you know, uh, things of that nature too, you know. So, and, you know, if that's what, you know, your, um, your desire is, right? And so paying for money the first time, for it, um, and that's the ty- title of a class too. Respect as is, <laughs> so you know, respect as is a good, um, you know, respect what's in a contract. So whatever's in that contract is really what is written. If you ever been to court for landlord eviction court, the first thing the judge asks you is where's the lease, because he's gonna look at what's on paper. If you don't have a lease, then he goes, he's gonna say, you, I've had been in court and had the judge ask me, do you even have a copy of a lease that you use? you know, a copy of a lease that you, that you, that you typically use because they have something in court that's called intent, you know, and the judge usually, or the judge often will use that to make his determination, you know, his intent, you know, what was the intent of the person? So if you intended to do, you know, so they look at the intent of things. That's, that's, I wanted to add that part about, I think, um, uh, um, what's in writing is what matters. Uh, and you know, respecting as is, 
you know, if it says that, that's exactly what it means. And most of the times the banks, when you buy properties from the banks, that's what you're going to get. If you buy foreclosures and short sales, that's what you're going to get. Because uh, usually when the property has uh, slipped into that, that, that area, there's not a lot of money for repairs. There's not a lot of money to upkeep. So you're going to get some, um, some, 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 some um, things in that property that's just going to be unkept, you know, and you're buying it as is. Hence is why you're getting a good deal, why you're going to get it. And you always add for that, you know, if you, you know, add for that, you know, add for the cost of, of repairs, the cost to bring it up to, to where you want it to be. Um, so you always buying properties on, you're definitely not at market value. You're going to have create your own rule of thumb of what the value is. The way I go into it, I go into, you could, you put a dollar amount on every single thing. You put a dollar amount on if there's a train tracks behind the property. If there's a tra train track behind the property, you can put a dollar, you should put a dollar amount on the value of that because you're going to get at least five to 10 people that's going to walk away from you leasing it or selling it because of the train track. There was a um, property that, um, had sold that end up selling for $5,000 because there was a train track. Part of it was the train track in front of it. And it was a property that was a government property and it sat on the market for years. And it sold um, because it just and sold for $5,000. So there's a dollar amount for everything, even the view. You know, you can put a dollar amount on the view of, you know, New York, you see that all the time, skyscrapers and, you know, different cities, depending on where you are. So you can put a dollar amount on everything. So you'll be itemizing every single thing, you know, itemizing all of the, you know, the view, you can itemize, um, um, you know, the age of the property. So um, the beat, you know, so that is, you can put a dollar amount on the view. You can put a dollar amount on, you know, each bedroom. And there's something in the BPO also is a tool that each, uh, there's a set price, a rule of thumb close, you know, price for what one bedroom is worth, what a garage is worth, what uh, a bathroom is worth, and a kitchen is worth. So in other words, there's something that's called um, adjustments when you do your BPO, right? So if you can't find three bedrooms and you have to compare it with a fourth bedroom, you'll make a deduction of about between seven to $10,000 for that one bedroom. So if I have to compare it and I can't find a three-bedroom, okay, it's, it's, still a, it's still a colonial. It's still age, still was built between 1920 and 1925. It still has the square footage. Matter of fact, it's the exact same square footage as my subject property. But the only difference is it's a four-bedroom and it, this one has a garage and, 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 and mines don't. So you'll take off for that. You deduct for that. You know? So I'm only driving that point to just mention that. You know, no, that's a, that's very important because that happens in the real world. I hate that it happens too, but it does happen. Yeah. Well, we'll make that it for today. We got plenty more, but we're gonna have yes. to keep keep doing this. Any final questions? You know, Alicia, if you to pull out her five hundred thousand uh, dollars out her purse, and she was like, "I got enough. I'm gonna go buy a house. Right? I'm gonna buy this office." <laughs> I'm gonna buy this whole office right now. They fit to know I'm their boss now. Unless you fit to know. I understand. I understand. Other than that, well, any final words? Hey, hey, girl. No, hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
okay. <laughs> What's happening? Yay. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, we see you. We see you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't see a man, girl. It's one of the millionaires she work with. Any final words, Maurice? Oh, man, no. I mean, no. Just, um, that's it. You know, I, I don't have any, anything. Just respect as is. If it ain't in writing, it doesn't exist, you know? No it's doubt. No yeah. doubt. That's it. Yep. The thing I would tell you is uh, go, go find y'all a real estate podcast to to add value on top of the value we're going to add just doesn't matter just somebody that actually does the work yes remember a teacher anyone teaching because they're a teacher is not a teacher that is not a teacher a practitioner yes who teaches is a teacher that is different buddha Jesus, Muhammad, Mother Teresa did not read a book on integrity and go, you know what? I think we should feed the poor. Everybody, feed the poor. No. No. They went out and fed the poor and said, Mm -hmm. hey, this is how you do it. (laughs) There is a big difference. There's a really big difference. Don't read a book about feeding the poor and then go teach people how to feed the poor. You can't read a book about push-ups and expect to get chest muscles. That's not the way it works. Can't read a book about swimming and know how to swim. A practitioner should be a teacher. A teacher who just teaches is an employee or a con artist. <laughs> They're not a teacher. Those are my final words. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plan better, you can dominate. Thank you, everybody. We'll yes. see you for a lot of stuff later on tonight. All right, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Our next guest is the CEO of a Facebook competitor. It is called MeWe. It is a next-gen social platform with a focus on privacy. The company has surpassed 5.5 million members. CEO Mark Weinstein with us now in a Fox Business exclusive. Welcome to the program, Mark. Glad to have you with us. So why the focus on privacy? You are taking advantage of Facebook's public stumbles? Well, Deirdre, I'm one of the guys who invented social networks, and it was never, social networks were never invented to be what we call now surveillance capitalism, which is what Facebook is. Their members are not customers to serve, their data to sell and data to target. So it really, MeWe is a full, fully, you know, fledged uh, social network with all the features people love. The privacy is a pr- our privacy bill of rights. We don't sell your data. We don't target you. We don't mess up your news feeds. We have a freemium business model, so everything you love is free. And you can, you know, traditional capitalism, great capitalism. You can spend money on in-app purchases, or you can just enjoy the free service. There's nothing, you know, you can't be targeted for your vote or your opinion. Um, it's social media the way it was meant to be. So then, Mark, honestly, how do you make money? Because we all know when we use Facebook, it's free for the user, but we know because we are not paying that we become the product. So that Facebook is gathering data on us, and I think some people even say Facebook isn't a social company, it's a data company. But then how do you make money? Are people paying your company for subscriptions? No, no, it's very important. MeWe is free forever. But now we know that the freemium model works, and MeWe, is, we're doing great with revenue. We have 2,800 free emojis, but we've got great custom emojis, custom stickers. So people pay you for videos, those. A pay option. 
Right, and, and live voice, live video, secret encrypted chat. Uh, MeWe pages are $1.99 a month, but you reach 100% of your followers all the time. So for $24 a month, you don't have to boost anything. So if you have 500,000 followers or 5,000 followers or 10 million followers, you reach everybody. At Facebook, you reach 5%. you got to pay to boost, and then their algorithm messes the whole thing up anyhow. So MeWe is really true, pure social media. It's social networking done right, and people love it. So. Yeah, we're growing organically with no ads, and, and, and we're not even marketing MeWe, and we're growing by tens of thousands of people every day. So, Mark, we have some stats about your company. As you're speaking, five and a half million users right now, which is impressive. But how are you going to keep growing that? Because one telephone is not so fun. Two telephones work. Basically, you need more people to sign up. Well, people are signing up, Deirdre, every day. And here's the beautiful thing about MeWe. So we also have some major, major deals that are not announced with some huge influencers worldwide. But even without them, we grew 405% last year. We're targeting, you know, we actually target, we'll have over 30 million members by the end of this year, over 150 million by the end of next year. We're growing twice as fast already this year. And people also move in groups. This is really, we have never seen something like this. So constituencies move to people. So many people are censored or blocked or violated on Facebook and they all move to MeWe. So it, the growth is fantastic. Quick question, Mark. You say Facebook as an aside should not be broken up. Why is that? Listen, we compete with Facebook great. Snap competes with Facebook. Twitter competes with Facebook. Breaking up Facebook doesn't solve the problem that they are a surveillance company transacting data. By the way, also transacting data from non-members. They track all of us. Remember, the Cambridge Analytica CEO said they had data on 230 million adult, really every adult in America. Now, Facebook's new rules that you talked about today, that's a bunch of BS. Facebook has had rules the whole time. They break their rules all the time. That's the problem. The rules right. of Facebook mean nothing. Mark, we thank you very much for the time. Thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the growth. Thank you, Deirdre. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1%, and they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money, and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now, and they all wanna learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires. Right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is, a, is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane 
how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody that will teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family? My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything. And somehow I'm in the top 1% today. Not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy, I've homeschooled my own children, and I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. 
It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually for me to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents, and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10 extra retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I want to send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost. I'll take the loss. And all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate.
when the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True, but it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the, if it's, if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. 
be. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.